1: Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. New discoveries in biology and neuroscience reveal how the words we think and speak can change the way the neurons in our brains and hearts connect. According to today's guest, Greg Braden, our ancestors understood this connection, and they created specific word patterns to provide comfort, healing, and strength. Greg joins us today to talk about how the words that were encoded into prayers, hymns, and sacred writings can impact our lives. Greg is a five-time New York Times bestselling author, scientist, and international educator whose research has led to 15 film credits and 12 award-winning books. He is a recipient of numerous awards and is listed in the Watkins Journal among the top 100 of the world's most spiritually influential living people. He is the author of The Wisdom Codes, Ancient Words to Rewire Our Brains and Heal Our Hearts. Welcome, Greg. Thank you so much for coming back on the show for the fourth time. I always enjoy speaking with you.
0: Oh, well, Joan, thank you for, for bringing me back. I enjoy our conversations as well. I I realized uh, that we have worked together. I didn't realize it had been four times. So I'm, I'm excited to add to our history today. <laughs> Thank well, and, you for I, and I warm, love
1: what we're yeah, talking my, about today, Greg, because most people know that words are powerful, but many yeah. may not know why. And you say that certain words and phrases can shift our mind and body so that chemically we're not the same person we were before. Can you explain this to our listeners?
0: Sure. Well, you know, we, we've always known that words are powerful, and often we, we hear this through anecdotal phrases. Uh, in the beginning of the new book, for example, there's, there's a quote from Emily Dickinson, and she says, I know of nothing in the world that has as much power as a word. So that's not science, but it, it conveys the idea. Uh, and directly after that in the book, I, I want to share a quote from a neuroscientist, Andrew Newberg. And what he says is that, and this is a direct quote, he says, a single word has the power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. So what he is sharing is the the new discoveries in the the field of of neuroscience that the words that we use can actually upregulate or downregulate the expression of genes in our body for, for health and well being and stress and longevity, uh, immune response. Well, who doesn't want a strong immune system, you know, in, in a world of, of a pandemic? So, this principle now is, is being revealed through the best science of the modern world on the one hand. And on the other hand, as a scientist for over 40 years, I have had the, the privilege of exploring and leading groups into some, oh, Joan, just some of the most ancient and beautiful and pristine uh, and magnificent and isolated in remote places remaining in the world today to study with these people from the, the highlands of central china and tibet and the nepal and india and all through the the caro villages in southern the andes of, of southern peru and, and with the shamans in the yucatan of mexico and the bedouin in egypt and all through the american desert southwest and, and much more and it's different As these traditions are from one another, one of the common themes is that they have always turned to words in times of need to give them comfort and to to find strength in times of need. And my thinking was, if these words and these phrases have worked for so many diverse cultures for over 5,000 years, they're probably going to work for us today. So uh, the book that you're talking about, The Wisdom Codes, was an opportunity for me to, to bring together uh, into a single volume and categorize in, in terms of need. So there's a chapter on loss, and there's a chapter on strength, and there's a chapter on fear, uh, and to, to draw upon the Sanskrit traditions and the Aramaic traditions and the, the indigenous Native North American and South American traditions uh, and talk about these word codes that were preserved in mantras and prayers and hymns in the Gnostic Christian traditions, for example, and uh, and through the, the Sanskrit uh, uh, chants that we see so often, to bring those together and describe the meaning, offer them in the original native language, and there is an audio of the book where I actually speak uh, those syllables so people can hear those, and, uh, and also to share w- share them in the English language so that we can use them in our lives today. So, so this is the opportunity for us to, to embrace a very ancient wisdom that is now borne out by the best science of the modern world uh, to help us deal with a time of extremes.
1: We're learning so much today about neuroscience and epigenetics and the power of what we speak and think. Do you think our ancestors did this intentionally? Did they know what they were creating, and if they did, how did they know this?
0: Well, you know, science, uh, I'm a scientist, um, and I have to say that a lot of what I write now is very different from what I was taught when I I was in school back in the 1950s, 60s, and early 70s, and what we now know is very different um, from what I was taught at a younger time in my life on the one hand, and on the other hand, you know, science is designed to be constantly updated, and our job, Joan, is to keep science honest. Mm-hmm. Science is not static. We cannot take something that we knew, you know, 20 years ago and, and say that that is gospel today if the evidence doesn't support it. So science, however, is, is relatively recent. It's only about 300 years old. But we have been on this earth, a civilization, over 5,000 years. So in another way of understanding through what we call the the spiritual principles, not necessarily religion, but the the spiritual principles that teach us about our relationships to our own body and to to the earth and to the cosmos, to one another. Those principles have been around for a very long time. So our ancestors were less concerned about proving, I think, what exists and what doesn't, and more concerned about discovering how to make life better for themselves, their families, and their communities. And this I, this is the opportunity that we have today, Joan. I believe we owe it to ourselves to draw up on every iota of knowledge, without judging where it comes from. If it's five thousand years old or if it's from the best universities of uh, you know of the 21st century, Draw up on that knowledge and explore it. And what works, incorporate it and weave the wisdom of the past with the science of of today into a wisdom that's greater than science can be all by itself. Science is awesome, and it's, it's only 300 years old. It tells us how things work, but it cannot always tell us how to apply it in our lives. Our ancestors knew how to apply these things in their lives. They may not have understood the nuts and bolts of precisely why a word can change a neuron, for example. But when we weave these together, it gives us an evolutionary edge I believe, for the first time in human history, that empowers us to thrive. We don't want to just survive where we are now. We want to thrive and transcend what life has brought to our doorstep. That was the thinking underlying this book, and that is the opportunity, I think, that we have today if we have the wisdom to recognize and embrace the opportunity without judging the the wisdom of our ancestors. That was a, a long answer to a short question, but do I think they? They understood, they knew that they were better when they used these phrases and these chants. They may not have understood the chemistry, certainly, and, and the biology and the epigenetics, but they knew that they were better people. And the Navajo, for example, uh, embraced beauty in a way that is more than an aesthetic. They view it as, a, as the fifth fundamental force of nature. So physicists talk about gravity and the electromagnetic force and the strong and weak nuclear force as, as being the four fundamental forces of nature, the Navajo say there's a fifth, and it is the power of beauty, in that we are changed in the presence of beauty. And, and that's true. So when we see something, we see sculpture or art or sunset or an ocean or a, a person that triggers a very specific kind of feeling within us. That feeling is, is a chemical change, our, our body is changing. Our chemistry is changing. And sometimes the way that we feel about that change can actually change the genes in our bodies, upregulate for a stronger immune response, for example, or, or to release longevity enzymes for regeneration and rejuvenation. So, so I don't think they understood the science necessarily, but they definitely understood the, the relationship uh, that we have with ourselves and, and with one another and the world around us.
1: They had this wisdom, and we all do, but we just let so much of the world get in, you know, and I think this is a a great reminder of the intelligence we have within ourselves.
0: Well, Joe, I agree. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, a lot of this comes from conditioning. Uh, We we have a generation behind us now where we've been conditioned to view, and there's a thinking by many people that that carbon-based life is flawed in general, And that humans specifically are weak and powerless, uh, and that we need something outside of us to thrive in life and to achieve our greatest potential. We need technology. That is what has been taught to an entire generation on the one hand. On the other hand, the best science of the modern world has revealed a way of thinking about the human body that is just a mind-blower, absolutely a mind-blower. What they tell us is the average human body, whatever average is, the average human body has about 50 trillion or so cells. That's agreed upon. Every one of those cells, Joan, has an electrical potential, 0.07 volts. Now, it's a a small voltage, but you do the math, 0.07 volts times 50 trillion cells, and and now we're talking about 3.5 trillion volts of electrical potential in the human body that can be harnessed and directed for healing or uh, regeneration or rejuvenation, but doesn't stop there because every one of those cells is now documented with the ability that the cells function electrically as transistors just like we have in our computers and our phones and resistors and capacitors. Every cell in our body absorbs the light, photons of light. That light is information to our cells and we emit light. We can measure the light coming off of a human body. Every cell in our body. Uh the good thing I guess if there is a good thing to come out of the pandemic is we all know about human cells now. And everybody knows that the cells outside the body have uh have receptors. They're little antenna, chemical receptors, but they also are energetic receptors. Inner, uh, energetic receptors for electromagnetic information, for light. Every cell in our body stores and retrieves information, memory. Every cell in our body has a memory. Every cell in our body is a gated circuit. And it goes on and on. When we begin to look at this, Joan, what we discover is that we are literally a soft technology is what it's being called that our bodies, it's not about computer chips and wires and chemicals, it's about neurons and cell membranes and crystalline bone, and that we are the only form of life known to exist with the ability to self-regulate our own biology. No other form, on demand, consciously, we're the only form of life that can sit down a moment in time and say, in this moment, I choose to strengthen my immune response. You know, who doesn't want that in, in a global pandemic? We're, we're the only form of life that can consciously access deep states of intuition to solve problems or to help us uh, listen in uh, in difficult relationships or difficult conversations in the boardroom, this is what bridges the past and the present. We self-regulate through thought, feeling, emotion, belief, breath, and focus. Breath regulating the nervous system, the vagus nerve, and, and things like that. So all of a sudden we begin to see our ancestors they were using thought feeling emotion belief breath and focus but now we understand the implications and how that's how that's actually helping us through what you mentioned earlier through epigenetic changes epigenetic changes are changes in the environment that access our biology well that environment could be the world around us could be nutrition it could be supplements but one of the most powerful environments that we all have available to us, Joan, is our inner environment, the environment that we create through our choice of emotions and the words that we use to express those emotions in the, in, in the world around us. And those are the words that were preserved in the Aramaic and the Sanskrit and the, the ancient Hebrew and uh, all through the, the native traditions. And, and it was very healing for me to drop on my 40 years of experience in these traditions and to to call all of these into categories and i, I should have called it wisdom codes volume one because there were so right. many <laughs> i had i had to choose which ones to to uh, to bring to to the reader so that is is a little bit of the thinking and the science underlying uh why i think this book is it's very timely and um just on a, I'll just say on a personal note, I lost my mom to COVID uh, earlier this year.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry.
0: Thank you. And and unfortunately, many people are sharing the same story. But it was Mother's Day? It was the first Mother's Day uh, without my mom in the world. And as an author, I turned, I actually turned to my own book, <laughs> to my own book on um, on the wisdom codes and inner strength and the, the Navajo prayer of beauty. Uh, to give me strength through the day, the the Navajo Beauty Prayer. Uh, It's a a lengthy prayer in its full form. The abbreviated form is very simple. It's three lines. The beauty that I live with, the beauty that I live by, the beauty upon which I base my life. What this prayer means, the beauty I live with, it means beauty already exists in the world around us. We don't have to seek it, or we don't have to create it. Our job is, is to seek it out, to recognize it. The beauty I live by is the invitation to allow beauty to become a force in our lives uh, a w- around which we recognize the the events that are presented to us, whether it 's loss of a loved one or a difficult conversation in a boardroom or, or with a you know with a partner in a relationship. The beauty upon which I base my life is is powerful because it it invites us. To embrace beauty as a foundational principle within our lives, rather than simply an aesthetic, when we look at something, we say, "Oh, you know, that's beautiful." You know, what's next? It invites us to uh, allow beauty to become this powerful force in our lives. And this is uh, this is from the Navajo traditions. This is one of their word codes that has worked for them for a very long time. And I have to say, it uh, it works. I, I say it almost every day, at least once a day out loud or often to myself. And, you know, this is one of the things when I was researching the book, Joan, that it was so interesting. Scientists tell us that the average person speaks to themselves. We say things to ourselves in our mind between sixty and 80,000 times every 24-hour period. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we're saying, it's repetition. We're saying the same thing again and again and again. So the question is, What are we saying to ourselves about our experience, about the world around us? And the word codes help us to redefine what we're saying in very powerful ways. And as Andrew Newberg and other scientists are saying now, those words actually begin to entrain neurons in the brain. And now we know that neurons exist in the heart. So neurons in the heart and the brain, we begin to entrain them. And we've all heard the phrase, they wire and fire together in new neural patterns that help us to solve our problems, think about the world, and interpret our lives in in healthy ways. And ultimately, I think that's, you know, the science is good. The beauty is we don't have to know the science. For people that like to know why the choices they make are powerful in their lives, the science is certainly there. And I've given all the references in, in this little book. I moved all the references to the back so people don't have to read them if they don't want them. But um, but the, the science is giving us very new, very different, uh, and very empowering ways to think about ourselves in the presence of, of a world we've never seen before. And I think I can't think of anything more exciting. And I think it's a very powerful, powerful opportunity to embrace the deep truth of who we are and our relationship to ourselves and, and the world, and then uh, find ways to you know make life better for ourselves and. Hopefully, you know, Joan, ultimately it, it's about becoming the best versions of ourselves and creating the best possible world. And, and I think that's that's where all this is, is leading us.
1: Well, and what you're teaching, it is so important because you've used the word powerful and you're right. Because coming off of the year that we've just had and, and a loss like you've experienced, and again, I'm sorry, and, and what so many other people have experienced you know, we've, we've spent so much time living in fear, but what you're teaching really gives us power over our lives and to take control of our ability to heal.
0: It, it does, Joan, and there's a very simple reason for that. And the bottom line is the better we know ourselves, the better we know ourselves, the less we fear change in the world. And this is very important because we're conditioned to hinge our sense of well-being on the world around us, on our external world you know, in a world where, you know, uh, politics are good and stock market's good and the kids are good and the schools are good and the job is good, everything's good. But when those things begin to, to move, when they begin to change a little bit, if our well-being is determined by those external factors and, and they change and we don't know what's going to happen, that can be scary. And for many people, that's where they find themselves today. But when we shift our sense of well-being from the outer world to our inner knowing of just what powerful beings we are and that we have the ability to self-regulate our, our extraordinary potential. It frees us to, it's a very different way of thinking, to kind of just sit back and let the world go through its changes. You know, the world's going to do what it's going to do. But we are, we're good. It's kind of like being in the eye of the storm is, is what many people tell me. So they, they feel from this. So the better we know ourselves... The less we fear change in the world, the better we know ourselves, the less we fear one another. And I think perhaps the most important, Joan, the better we know ourselves, the less we fear our own power. And I think everyone, from the time they're kids, all sense that there are untapped potentials within us. And when we really begin to think about what those potentials are, for some people it's actually frightening. But, you know, I think this is one of the reasons young people are so drawn to, to movies, like, you know, Wonder Woman and the Avengers and Harry Potter and things like that. Not that those movies are 100% accurate, but the theme is that they are reminding us that there is an untapped potential within us that we somehow remember in, in a, a primal way. And, uh, and the, the reminders of that are very appealing to us, because it means that we're not victims of a world that we have no control over. And once we really begin to, to access and embrace the science that's reminding us of that, that's a game changer. It changes everything. It helps us to become, again, better people, create stronger families, better societies. Less fear means less conflict. And I think we all would like to see that in the world today. So ultimately, uh, the better we know ourselves, the, the, the healthier we can embrace the change in the world around us. And I I don't think we could ask for anything more right now.
1: The book is The Wisdom Codes, Ancient Words to Rewire Our Brains and Heal Our Hearts. If you'd like to get more information about Greg and his work, you can visit gregbraden.com. That's G-R-E-G-G, Gregbraden.com. Greg, thank you so much for coming back on the show. You know, you've used the word powerful often in this conversation, and and it's really the best word that can describe what you're doing. It is powerful and life-changing, and so I hope everyone will get a copy of the Wisdom Codes.
0: Oh, John, thank you so much. It's always an honor to come back. I look forward to our next, and I just want to take a moment just to thank you for being such a powerful hub for your community, a place where people can go for new ideas that are very different, maybe, than what they're seeing in you know, in, in other forms of media, uh, but they're important ideas to give us options in terms of how we think about ourselves in our lives. So thank you and, and your team and your community for, for all that you do, for, for all of us to, uh, to help make this world a much better place.
1: Thank you, Greg. I really appreciate that. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative